Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello, this is Suzanne Klaubelikol from Police Science Doctor with my weekly broadcasts about the police science snippets that I publish every week. So these go out to my email subscribers. If you want to become an email subscriber for free, just go to policesciencedr.com. Uh, best of all, actually go to Google and just Google Police Science and my website will come up. Click on the website and just put your details into the registration form. Then you'll get a weekly email on a Tuesday with these police science snippets straight into your inbox. And each of the snippets also has the link to the original article in it. So you can have a look for yourself and see what the article says. These snippets are bits of information that I've found when I was trolling through lots of academic publications, usually very recent ones um, that have come out in, in the past few days. And I try to find something that's actually practitioner practitioner friendly, something that you can use straight away if you work in law enforcement, in, in investigations or on the front line, military, intelligence, you know, national security, all that kind of stuff. A lot of research that is published is very theoretical or it's extremely specific or it's about the effects of something. I try to find something that you as a practitioner can use straight away or can apply um, your thoughts to or can sort of start thinking about how you're going to integrate it next time you're dealing with a situation like that, next time you're dealing with what you said with a situation like this, for example. Before I get to the snippets this week, though, I'd like to play you a video. Now, that video, it's a short promo video that I created. It's for the Policing TV channel. Policing TV is a new sister website, which is video-based. It's a sister website of Policing Insight, and um, I've partnered up with them. And we're going to present a number of courses, these here courses, to you with Chris Allen, who's actually the course creator on this. But these courses are on my Police Science Doctor Academy and Policing Insight. And we are working together on this. They're going to, they are media partners. So let me play this promo video now, and I'll be back after that. I'm Suzanne Knabenikol, creator of Police Science Doctor. I'm proud to have Policing Insight and Policing TV as media partners for my collaboration with Chris Allen, researcher, lecturer, consultant and commentator specializing in organized crime and how it operates. Together we are offering the first series of training sessions for analysts and investigators coming up this April and May. Three short courses are booking now, delivered online as a live two-hour session, followed by a one-hour discussion between Chris and the delegates. Session number one is on cybercrime, giving professionals a profound, up-to-date understanding of this modern bane to law enforcement and the challenges it brings with it. You will learn about its extent, nature, its enabling factors, how easy it is for criminals to engage in this form of criminality, and you will be presented with a case study of a hacker. Session two is on firearms trafficking. You will learn how illegal firearms enter the black market and how they are smuggled across the world. You will also find out about weapons produced here and how Mexican cartels exploit the US laws. The last session in this first series is on money laundering. This session deals with the influence of money laundering on global economic developments, how it infiltrates society and legitimate businesses, how a laundering scheme is set up, its methodologies and case studies that illustrate this clandestine process. To find out more about these sessions and to book your place, simply Google Police Science. 
select the Police Science Doctor website and on there simply click on Learn to get to the Academy. These sessions are tailored for law enforcement investigators and analysts, but are also suitable for students of related subjects. These short courses are up to three hours long and are available to anyone around the world for £49 each. They will be delivered late afternoon UK time to enable colleagues from other continents to attend. You're already working in law enforcement. You already have a lot of the skills you will need to deal with these types of offending. But what these courses do is give you an in-depth insight into how criminals operate so that you can incorporate this understanding into your investigative and analytical work to enhance what you do. I look forward to seeing you there. So there you go, promo video over. I've put the links to these sessions into the comments. They're not appearing on LinkedIn yet. I'll put them in there afterwards, but hopefully they'll be of interest to quite a lot of you because these courses are very specific and you're not actually going to find many courses on these specific topics at all. So if you're working in those fields and you want to get some specialist insight, these, um, these might really help you. Now let's get to the snippets for, for this week. So the first snippet is motivations to join the police. So anyone trying to get more and more relevant people into policing, listen up. In developing countries, job availability and benefit-driven motives, family influence and helping family and friends were scored or ranked more highly for police recruits. Also, the lower the recruits' age when joining the police, the more likely they are to be motivated by social capital motives. That's the power and authority, prestige and influence by media and friends of working in the police. So that means if you're trying to recruit younger police officers, it's all about, you know, the social status and, you know, what it feels like to be a police officer in terms of your, your standing in society. If you're trying to recruit in developing countries, job security and benefits and how it's going to help family are, um, seem to be the main motivators. And um, I've previously heard some other research that stated for BAME communities, so Black, Asian, minority, ethnic communities, the um, what was quite important to them was the helping their communities and you know representing them, being being an open, uh, being an open door and um, open eyes and ears to them. So again, you know, try try to think about whom you're trying to recruit there. Um, Somebody is asking, Kathleen Allen is asking, will these sessions be recorded if you are not able to attend live? They will be recorded, um, and you can get them afterwards as well. However, if you attend live, you can take part in the Q&A, but, you know, that, that speaks for itself. But yes, they will be recorded. Thank you for asking. Right. So, second snippet for today. Um, juror perceptions of child sexual abuse cases. In a mock study, it was found that if disclosure by the child was delayed by 10 months versus one month versus one day, so there are three different time span conditions there, mock jurors rendered fewer guilty verdicts and long, long, lower rating ratings of victim trustworthiness. So 10 months via one day. So something happens to a child and if they disclose one day after it, jurors were much more likely to render guilty verdicts and see the victim as more trustworthy rather than if the victim had disclosed only after 10 months. Massive issue here because very often, especially children, do not disclose when something happens. Other victims do not disclose sexual abuse in domestic violence. Victims just very often don't, dis don't disclose or delay disclosure significantly by years and decades even. 
So it's it's very 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 concerning that this has an has an impact on the credibility as perceived by jurors, mock jurors in this in this particular study. Um, when the perpetrator was the victim's next door neighbor, participants rated the likelihood of abuse as higher, and the victim's memory as stronger with shorter versus longer lengths of delay, rather than if it was the um, I'm trying to remember what the contrast was. If the perpetrator was the neighbor rather than the father, I think it was. I didn't I didn't formulate that very well in the snippet here. So stranger rape and abuse is usually seen as more trustworthy um, from the victim than if it's family member or or somebody who's very close. And that, that's the same in rape as well. That if you're making accus accusation of someone having raped you. You know, it should not matter who did it, but it, it does in the eyes of, of other people. Unfortunately, we still have lots of mis and misconceptions in society. People find accounts of stranger rapes more trustworthy and believable than someone who knows you when actually most rape is committed by people who know you. So um, again, another massive issue. Third snippet for this week is school suspensions and arrests in adolescence. School suspension is related to negative outcomes in adolescents, including delinquency and low academic attainment. Suspension increases odds of dropout and arrest regardless of race. Among black youth only, the impact of suspension on dropout is amplified for those with high adverse childhood experience exposure. So adverse childhood experiences could be a number of things. It could be witnessing violence. It could be receiving violence. Um, you know, incarceration um, of a parent or something like that, that had a particularly strong impact on black youth. So we, we've seen that before, and I've talked about it before in these snippets. School suspension and school dropout is, is really, really detrimental to the child. And I, I understand that all teachers, you know, are very, very stretched in terms of resources and, and a child that is disruptive and continually, continually disruptive is going to have a massive impact on the teaching that this teacher is able to deliver and the learning experience of the others. So I can understand why, you know, you would want to exclude someone, but we need we need more staff in these schools to actually then look after and work with children who would have been excluded or suspended to keep them in the school and get them back into it. And, you know, the, these kinds of behaviors, disruptive behaviors are only a symptom of something, aren't they? So somebody needs to look at the root causes of what's going on there. So these are the snippets for today. I hope they were of interest to you. And um, I hope that the courses that I talked about are of interest to you. And I wish you a good week as soon as I find the next video to play. Okay, have a good week, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address, and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.